Ladies, gentlemen, fellas, 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 I hope you're all having a beautiful and fantastic day. The other day, and if you haven't watched it yet, you're going to have to go back and watch it at some point. You don't got to do it right now. We're not going to be that YouTuber, that tout, that analyst who just says, stop the video and go watch the other one. No, no, no. At your own expense. Obviously, you're not going to stop this one. I already got your attention. You're already here. What good is that? But we are here right now to cover late round running backs that are must own guys. In the last one, we covered the mid round running backs. I've already talked about early round running backs that I think have success, league winners in those first four rounds. We did now in that last video, rounds five through seven. Just to sort of repeat it without spoiling it, we did cover four guys in that video. Two were rookies, one was a second year player, and the other guy's been in the league for a while with some trouble. So let's see if you can decipher that little sort of a puzzle. But today, we're going to be getting late round running backs. Now, I don't want to put a price on these rounds because it depends how many rounds you're going. I want to be able to satisfy everybody's needs. If you're only in a 14 round draft, shameful on you. Make that draft 18 to 22 rounds. If you're only in a 20 round draft, that's good. I don't know why I said only. That's a pretty good round draft. You want more rounds because if you're watching these videos, you are ready to dominate your draft. Why only draft 14 rounds and leave a bunch of really good players on the waivers that you can't roster? And then when the time comes that those players that you know are going to be good start to produce, your teammates pick them up with better waivers because their teams suck and they're in last place in your league and have number one waiver priority. No, you want to be able to have as many rounds as possible. So I'm not going to put a number on it, eight rounds, eight to 12 or something like that, rounds eight to 10. I think it's just going to be late round running backs. Now I might put it in the title just so people click more on it, say eight to 12 or eight to 16 or eight to 12 plus. But right now, I mean, I got guys on this list in the 17th rounds because I think there's going to be value. So we're going to start in rounds eight because in the last video, we went five through seven and we're going to go up until I've got four names on here and two honorable mentions. One of the honorable mentions is he's just shooting up the draft boards right now. Like he's probably going to be by the time you're watching this in the seventh round of draft. But right now, the ADP has not quite caught up. Before, guys, a couple honorable mentions. We'll talk about it right now. And before we do, I really do appreciate it. If you hit that like button for me, big old subscribe button that's popping up. We're going to be referencing for a couple of these players some of my player profiles over on my site, Fantasy Sports Focus, and they're going to be in the Supreme Draft Guide. The Supreme Draft Guide, thank you to Monkey Knife Fight, is just $10 right now. It gets you all of these 150 player profiles that we'll be starting with the first player right now in James White. So there you go. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the player profile on the screen. It'll get you my top 150 rankings, all the key stats databases you can see i'm putting some of the drop downs uh top 150s ppr ranks and tiers those types of things are going to be on the supreme draft guide it's going to use the promo code sal nfl if you want to do it on monkey knife fight but you're going to get a bunch of perks not only the supreme draft guide you get some free cash and contests to play over there it's a prop betting site based on fantasy point totals and just over unders for certain players down below in the description we'll walk you through and tell you very easily everything you need to know about this offer to get my supreme draft guide for your 2020 fantasy football season be sure to check it out down below for just 10 dollar ruskies thank you monkey knife fight but we're going to be looking at, as you see on the screen here, James White. James White, his, all these guys are moving up the ranks since the last time I looked two days ago in terms of their ADP, their average draft position, according to 444 Fantasy, which is fetching ADPs from like six or seven sites. Some paid for, some non-paid for. We obviously like to get the paid for data in there from FFPC and Best Ball 10s, but we also have some bigger sites with big data in ESPN, CBS, and Yahoo Fantasy Drafts that have a bunch of drafts in there, and they're telling us where the average draft position is for these players. And since I looked, they're all going up, which shows you that these are sharp plays because obviously they wouldn't be going up if people weren't more interested in drafting them as the time goes on. And I looked about two days ago. So James White has gone from the 8.08, the eighth pick in the eighth round. So the end of the eighth round to now the middle of the eighth round with the 8.05. And I think James White is still a fine pick. And I know there's probably going to be another running back that in the back of your heads, if some of you are really tuned in and I'll zoom in on his 2019 stats here. If some of you are really, really tuned in and buckled up, there's going to be another Patriots running back that you're all interested in. We'll just wait till the honorable mentions and we'll get there. But for right now, I do like James White. Look, Sony Michelle is dealing with some major issues. You should not be drafting Sony Michelle. If you had a draft last night and you took Sony Michelle and let's just say the top 10 rounds, that's a big mistake. Sony Michelle looks like he's not going to be ready for week one. Sony Michelle might not be ready for the first month of the season. And even if he is, he's currently getting passed up in camp right now.
now by Damian Harris, second year running back out of Alabama, who didn't play a lot last year, but has in raving reviews at a camp right now. James White is always going to be the factor and always going to be the reason why Sonny Michelle, who was a decent pass catcher at Georgia until he got injured his last year, has not gone to be any type of a pass catcher in the NFL. Rex Burkett is still lingering around there. Sonny Michelle is arguably the third or fourth worst running back on this roster right now. And maybe that's because of some injuries and he's just been hammered with injuries pretty much his entire NFL career, whether it's lingering injuries or ones that he's playing through and not telling the media about. But it is not good for one Sonny Michelle, and that's only going to help James White. James White, who, yeah, I don't see why we don't think that Cam Newton's not going to check down. And if you don't think Cam Newton's going to be the starter, you're crazy. But I don't see why we shouldn't think that Cam Newton's not going to check down a good amount of the time to a guy in James White. He did it with Christian McCaffrey. And obviously, I'm not comparing the two, but their skill sets in terms of being pass catching running backs with higher pass catching abilities. And most running backs in this league is pretty evident. So I think James White is, is going to be fine. In 2018, he had a breakout season. In 2019, it was a down year for him, but he still ended up catching 72 balls and piling up almost a thousand yards total. He had over 900 total yards. He saw 95 targets, which is up there with the elites of the elites and pass catching running backs. And the big thing is where you're getting him right now. Like I have him right around my RB30, but he's going drafted right now outside the top 35 running backs on average right around RB35, going drafted outside the top eight rounds. If you're in a draft where you already have two running backs, you've already piled up, let's say four receivers, and now you already have your quarterback, getting James White as your third or fourth running back is a pretty stable option in my opinion, especially if you can land him where he's going right now in the middle of the eighth round and he falls a little bit. Last year, he was third in receiving yards. He was sixth in receptions and sixth in targets amongst running backs. He was second in yards per touch. So he was still efficient. Now yards per touch is usually going to be higher for these guys who catch passes, but that's fine, right? It's a technicality, but that's fine. He's still high up in that position, which just shows you that he is being useful in his offense. And now he gets Cam Newton coming in, who's probably not going to be as check down friendly as Tom Brady because he's more mobile. But he's also not Cam Newton from a decade ago when his mobility was his strongest asset. I do believe that they're going to use his mobility, but more so in the red zone, or even then it doesn't really matter for James White. He's never been a guy to score touchdowns. Five last year is fine. And we'll take that. If we just want to look at what's happening over the offseason, obviously we kind of know what's happening with this backfield right now. We know, at least if you haven't, I'll just keep you up to speed. There hasn't been any additions or subtractions. It's just that all offseason, Sony Michelle has been dealing with injuries. Rex Burkett has been banged up dealing with injuries, kind of likely going to make the team at this point, but nothing fantastic. Nothing that is going to shock me. Probably gets his couple touches a game, gets more blowout run like we saw last year out of him when he really shined. And then Damian Harris has just been constantly moving up the depth chart. Well, there was in April and May when there's talks and buzz about him, but now that they're actually in camp, he's taking the first team snaps and he's looking very good. And look, his path to being the starting running back for the Patriots, which has always been a concern. It, it's running back roulette out there every single week, which is why I'm hesitant to say that Damien Harris is a must draft guy. He is going to be one of our honorable mentions. So spoiler alert, but I'm hesitant to say that because they run these guys through a running back roulette. At least James White, his role is pretty significant and pretty, I would say in stone on this team that he's, even if it's going to be a running back roulette where he only plays 35, 40% of the snaps, you know, damn well, that he's going to be pushing towards triple digits and targets hundred plus this season. And that's all you could ask for out of that middle round. There's been no additions in the running back department when it comes to free agency. There's no additions in the draft. It's just the same guys back there, except now they're banged up around around him more in mainly Sony Michelle and an aging Rex Burkett. You can check the durability. It hasn't been anything major. He missed a game last year due to his child being born. So nothing major due to injury since 2017 when he missed two games with an ankle sprain, which is just pretty much routine for any type of a running back. And here is the backfield competition on the spring draft guide for him. You have right now Sony Michelle back there as a main competitor if he was indeed healthy, but he's not. Michelle was very inefficient last year, 54th in overall true yards per carry. And then Burkhead was very efficient last year. Number one in running backs, true yards per carry, number four in yards per 
per touch on a limited sample of only 65 carries, 27 receptions, but he was very efficient. The problem is he's just not going to get a lot of work, just 27% of the snaps. But that problem is a good thing for a guy in James White who kind of overlaps his skill set with Rex Burkhead. Brandon Bolden, a special teams captain, also somebody they used last year around the goal line at times, which was kind of infuriating. If you are a Sony Michelle owner, they're using Brandon Bolden to steal goal line touchdowns. And then Damian Harris is the last name that you see on here, but he is the one who's right now, as I highlight Damian Harris's name, right now the guy that in camp as I record this is taking the lead back role and is taking on the main majority of the early down work. And that makes sense because if Sony Michelle is hurt, guys like Rex Burkhead and James White are not going to be the three down grinders. You saw James White do it a couple of times two years ago when he had a big season in 2018, especially on a Thursday night football game. He took on a 20 plus carry workload, but they're not used to giving him that in between the tackles work. So Sony Michelle in the middle of the eighth round is the first guy that I think is a must own value running back for you in these rounds eight plus. We'll call it eight through 12, but then even the later rounds than that. Let's get into the next guy that I want to talk about on this list. And he's going to be somebody that we talked about in a must draft running backs video just in general, but it's a rookie running back for the Buffalo Bills, Zach Moss. Everything coming out right now about Zach Moss as I zoom in just on where they took him out of Utah. He went there for four years. He ended up getting him in the third round with pick 22 for the Buffalo Bills. He's coming out at 22 years old and his best comps are Kareem Hunt and Monte Ball. Yes, Monte Ball did not do good in the NFL, but this is these players coming out of college, their comps, best comparables, not what they did in the NFL. So Zach Moss, I'll just go over to his 2019 sets, but everything is coming out very good. Now we got right at literally right after the draft in the press conference, they said early on, we have indications that we think this is out of the coach's mouth and out of the coaching staff that we think that Zach Moss is going to be a very good player to take on that Frank Gore role last year, which, well, damn, Frank Gore played in a ton of the snaps. Frank Gore was playing close to 40 plus percent of the snaps last year. He was seeing over 35% of the red zone touches. He was actually out there seeing triple digits touches on the season by a pretty decent margin. And now you're having Frank Gore out of there, who's old as dust, in my opinion, now on the New York Jets. And you're putting him in with a guy who's like almost 15 years younger than him and going to show some sort of explosiveness, going to show the ability to catch passes as he did twice, catching 28 plus passes two times when he was healthy in college, 2017 and 2019. One of those was again last year, 28 receptions on 29 targets on a 9% target share. That's very good. Anytime, as we've talked about in previous videos, a rookie running back or a running back in college catches just 20 passes. That's kind of the indicator that this guy is pretty good and involved in his offense. This guy caught 28 passes twice in college, 14.5 yards per reception. So that's good to see. He also carried a heavy workload, 235 carries last year, uh, over 1400 yards and 17 touchdowns. Now just flashes Utah career on the screen, over 700 carries, over 65 receptions, six yards per carries his final two years and 41 total touchdowns. We can get into some of the pros and cons of him, but I just want to kind of talk about, and they're on the screen right now. I just kind of want to talk about in general, what's happening in the Buffalo Bills camp. Devin Singletary was drafted to be sort of a starting running back, I would say, but when he was drafted, LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore are both still there. Some aging veterans, potential Hall of Famers in both of them. They cut LaShawn McCoy last year and they give Frank Gore the starting role in Buffalo to when it starts to get actually colder last year, midway through the season. And Devin Singletary comes back from an injury that kept him out for three to four weeks, lower body injury. Devin Singletary starts to become very efficient and just way too efficient, but it was a productive player. But he's a smaller back and now they draft Zach Moss, who's a bigger body back who fits the bill of Frank Gore plus Devin Singletary, kind of a combination of both of their skill sets. And everything coming out of Buffalo Bills camp right now is that Zach Moss is going to be the red zone type of back. And he's going to be a guy who also gets work in between the 20s. So not just in the red zone, but in between the 20s. And now the most recent report was he's just as good of a pass catcher as we drafted him and thought of him as. So you're telling me that this is starting to look like a 50-50 backfield split. So for, right now, Devin Singletary is going in the fourth or fifth rounds, but you can get Zach Moss right now as average ADP, according to 4 for 4 on these sites, is the 10.10. So you can get him at the end or middle of the 10th round. That doesn't make any sense that double the rounds later, you can get a very similar back. And I think so. I think Zach Zach Moss leads this team in rushing touchdowns. Maybe the quarterback Josh Allen does, but I think Zach Moss will be up there with him. I think he has more touchdowns and more red zone usage than his teammate Devin Singletary. And if now you're telling me that they're going to split the passing game work or Zach Moss is going to get more passing game work, then why are we drafting Devin Singletary five rounds earlier? Are we hoping Devin Singletary breaks off 
40 and 30 and 50 yard touchdown runs like it's nothing. And obviously he showed very good skills last year. Maybe he can do that, but I'm not going to bank on it with high draft capital. That's why for me, Devin Singletary is not a target this year. I'm sorry if you drafted him so far, but you should be drafting the rookie running back behind him who right now they're taking with similar draft capital to Devin Singletary last year, who right now is a bigger and more efficient running back out of college. Yeah, it's hard to ignore that five rounds later. So Zach Moss is going to be our second guy. And these are some of the pros. Elusiveness, can catch passes. He's a bigger body. He's a very good pass protector, which is something that Devin Singletary was struggling with last year as a rookie. He has some of the highest upside, in my opinion, depending on where you can get him at. And right now in the 10th round, I like that. Now the downside is just coming out of the draft. His age, 22. We don't care about that in fantasy football this year, at least. He dances often, as a lot of elusive backs usually do. Your Saquon Barkley's, your Alvin Kamara's to an extent. And he's a little bit slower when it comes to just overall top end speed. But we don't care about that too much, especially if he's going to be used in the red zone and out in open space catching passes. So Zach Moss is our number two must draft running back. And you can get him right now in the double digit rounds, round 10. And as we get into our third player right here, Chase Edmonds, the backup running back right now, and potentially third down back at times for the Arizona Cardinals, Chase Edmonds, second year player. So Chase Edmonds, before we get into it, give me a quick, quick second of your time like button if you're enjoying this video right now or about 15 12 or so minutes into this big subscribe button just popped up i appreciate that and be sure to check out the supreme draft guide link down below for just ten dollars those player profiles we just looked at the two they're all in there with another 150 or so or close to it bunch of rankings tiers top 150s it is going to be the ultimate asset for you while you're drafting to dominate your draft beat your league mates finish first make your last place person do whatever consequences that you want them to do you're the king now take it or leave it so with that all being said let's get into the next player now so chase edmonds right now i think i said he was a rookie he's a third year player right he played 16 games in 2018 and last year he played in 10 games and he got hurt and it was just a very interesting thing to see so Kenyon Drake's obviously a high upside player he's a potential league winner but he also has a lot of risk in him because we haven't seen it for a while maybe it was just Adam Gase in Miami holding back Kenyon Drake or maybe it was just that Kenyon Drake wasn't that great and he popped off last year in a really good offense but can he keep that type of efficiency up where he had three huge games and then a couple of just middling games and really Kenyon Drake might not even be there if Chase Edmonds doesn't get hurt right so David Johnson gets hurt after being pretty productive the first couple of weeks especially as a receiver last year the first month or so six weeks for the Arizona Cardinals but then Chase Edmonds gets to get a role when David Johnson gets hurt and you see Chase Edmonds go out there and in week seven before he gets hurt the following week against New Orleans in week eight he's the RB1 in fantasy 35 fantasy points but it wasn't just a one-time occurrence he did it every single week before that week five this is when David Johnson's starting to get hurt week five versus Cincinnati he scores 17.6 fantasy points a top 15 running back that week the next week in week six against Atlanta he scores 14.7 once again a top 15 running back so he finishes with back-to-back top 15 performances before he then goes on to be the RB1 in week seven, and then he gets hurt in week eight. And that's when they have to call in some reinforcements and trade for Kenyon Drake heading into week nine, because they're down their top two running backs, and they just don't have anybody at this point. So that's when Kenyon Drake comes, he wins the job by just balling out. David Johnson returns, Chase Edmonds returns, and they're just not used as much, because then you see Chase Edmonds in week 14 and week 17, not really get any work at all, just getting one or two touches. And now David Johnson is gone. So the opportunity to be seeing six to eight touches a game as a backup is there for Chase Edmonds, since I expect Arizona to run a lot of plays. And I do think that Chase Edmonds is a very good running back. You saw 5.7 yards per touch. He was number six in true yards per carry last year at 4.8. And he's a guy who does have speed. He has agility. It's a nice spot. And Kenyon Drake, all the upside in the world to Kenyon Drake going right now in the first or second rounds of a lot of drafts. But if indeed he busts in any way, Chase Edmonds is going to be the main benefactor of that for a running back who did show the talent in the breakout potential last year. I do like Chase Edmonds. And the thing that I like the most about Chase Edmonds is that you can currently get him in the 14th round. The 14.09 is where he's currently going. He was going in the 15th round. So his draft capital is also raising 
Same thing for Zach Moss, who was going on average in the 11th round. He's now in the 10th round. I assume in a lot of your sharper league drafts, these guys are going earlier. Zach Moss, maybe in the eighth or ninth. Chase Edmonds, maybe in like the 12th round. But again, the most casual leagues in your home leagues for people who don't look at YouTube videos and aren't researching it as much, this is where they're going to go. They're going to go right where their ADP is in the overall system that you're playing in because they're just next up on that list, that running list of rankings during the draft when you're going to be coming in, hopefully with the Supreme Draft Guide rankings and just be dominating these guys and getting them around earlier than you should or waiting on it and just picking apart the value. So Chase Edmonds for me, this is what it is. It's a guy who has the ability to just be seeing six touches a game, eight touches a game, and actually have some sort of flex appeal in your deeper leagues, but just be a very good RB4 or RB5, depending on where you take your running backs before that. Maybe an RB6 if you're just trying to pile up the zero RB approach. And I think he has a lot of upside because of the fact that Kenyon Drake is one of the sketchier options up top, but also one of the highest upside options to see 350 touches and then obviously just crashes down Chase Edmonds role. But I do think that there's value for him in this offense. What we've seen out of him last year and as being the main backup now in a pretty high powered offense. It's very similar to Tony Pollard, except Zeke is a lot more durable in my opinion than Kenyon Drake. And we've seen that Zeke is a lot more proven than Kenyon Drake, but still Tony Pollard, because he went off against Miami last year in a game that was a blowout and a couple of blowout games last year, he goes off and has like an 80 yard fourth quarter and, and scores a touchdown or two against the Dolphins. People want to take him two to three to four rounds earlier right now, or somewhere around there than a Chase Edmonds. It doesn't make much sense. So that's our must own running back number three in these later rounds. And let's get into our final player right now. And it's going to be, and then we'll get into the honorable mentions, Jarek McKinnon, who I just continue to love. This guy literally like two weeks ago was getting taken in the 20th rounds. He's now the 17.0 through. So the beginning of the 17th round is where you have to take him. I love getting three or four running backs early, ideally four running backs in my first five or six picks, and then getting McKinnon. And I play in a lot of leagues that are two flex options or best ball. So it's not like you're sitting that fourth running back. And then I usually get McKinnon in like the 17th or 18th round, depending on the draft that I'm in. All the upside in the world for McKinnon. And not only does he have upside as a running back. So look, he's obviously a running back. That's what they drafted him as, or that's what they traded for him as from the Minnesota Vikings and signed him from them. But he hasn't played in like the last two years since 2017 when he did play a full season in 2016 where he only missed the game but obviously he's been injured since then he's had some major injuries and one of the biggest injury issues in the entire league in 2018 he tore his ACL in the preseason missed the entire season and last year he had post-surgical complications to follow up the knee repair and that ended up missing the entire season so he's been out for two years now with this exact same knee issue and there's been issues on top of those issues but now he's finally here and this is a guy that he's still young you have Raheem Mostart in this backfield potentially the biggest bust of all busts at the running back position who's going to be older who's going to be like a half a year older right now than Jarek McKinnon actually. And yes, 28 and a half years old when the season starts for Jarek McKinnon is not that ideal. But I don't think that it's a terrible spot, especially for a guy who checks out as having above average and everything, as you can see on player profile behind us right now, 96 percentile 40 yard dash. You have a 91st percentile speed score, 97th percentile burst. Obviously in two years, these numbers are not going to be the same as they were two or three to four or five years ago. But you're also not paying for that, like the fifth round value that you are to Raheem Mostart, who is older, does not have anywhere near as much efficiency and pretty much has one game against the Green Bay Packers in the playoff where he goes off and everybody wants to jump up and down that Raheem Mostert is a monster. I know that the last month of the season, he was good. That's all we have. A small sample and a guy that is propelling up his ADP and ballooning it up to an unrealistic spot, in my opinion, to where all the value is soaked out. And now all you can get out of that is downside if you're drafting Raheem Mostert. In the 17th round, McKinnon looks good. And here's a, here's a very interesting thing. Eric McKinnon right now is being worked out as a slot wide receiver. That's very interesting because, okay, this is what's happening right now. Debo Samuel's injured. They don't think he's going to be ready for week one, or at least it's not a certainty at this point. Jalen Hurd looks like he tore his ACL and is out for the year. And Brandon Ayuk just tweaked his hamstring. Jarek McKinnon was working as a wide receiver even before that injury. Now you're going to have McKinnon out there to potentially be sort of this Ty Montgomery shifty type player in an offense from Kyle Shanahan who knows how to use these type of gadget players. So now if McKinnon's going out there and seeing in the receiving department four or five receptions a game and he's coming into the backfield for four or five receptions, you're getting a similar to a James White type of a player that we just talked about, but in the 17th round. James White's going to be a guy who goes out there and sees like six targets a game. Okay, maybe this is the light version. You get four targets a game out of McKinnon, three or four receptions since they're low A dot targets, low average depth 
target, but then you get in the backfield four or five rushing attempts. So you're seeing somewhere around eight to 10 touches a game, which is what Kareem Hunt was seeing last year, 10 touches per game, and half of them being targets or receptions, which again, Kareem Hunt was seeing last year. I'm not comparing these players identically, their skill sets, I'm comparing their roles on their team. This is what we might be seeing right now out of Jared McKinnon in the 17th rounds. I don't think it's going to win you your league, although I wouldn't be shocked to see Jared McKinnon lead this team in carries at the end of the year with Tevin Coleman being a straight line runner who doesn't offer much on the outside or in the passing department with Raheem Mostert, who in my opinion doesn't offer much in the passing department and just is fast enough to get to the edge, which Jarek McKinnon can as well. Now you're in a spot where Jarek McKinnon can potentially be a flex option for you some weeks. And if you're getting that as a 17th round value, I like that a lot. He's potentially a guy who can take on a starting running back role for you if you're doing zero RB approach. So yeah, it's hard to really judge his plays in 2017 and his production then and going back to it when he was a top 25 evaded tackles guy, when he was a top 30 production player. He's not the same player as he was two years ago, and it's hard to judge what he's going to be. But I think that risk is already built in with him being a 17th round pick in an offense where now he's very sneakily the former third round pick out of Georgia Southern at 28.3 years of age. He's very sneakily going under the radar with his passing game role that's approaching in camp because they're just down so many receivers. So that's a very late round must own running back for you in the 17th round. And if your draft is only 16 rounds, just add two rounds to it. Tell your leagues, what are you guys doing? Why do we want to have way more good players in the waivers when we could be owning these players and not having to pick them up in two weeks and dropping some other running backs or whatever it might be. Get as many good players on your roster as you can. Now, quickly, I mentioned the two honorable mentions. Antonio Gibson is one of them, but his ADP right now on 4 for 4 is not accurate. It says it's like the 11th round. It's not catching up yet because I think a lot of casual leagues are drafting him late just because that's where his ranks are on the, the average like built-in draft board rankings. I see Antonio Gibson going a lot in the 7th and 8th round right now, so he wouldn't be a must-own guy for me in these late rounds, although I think he is a very strong option. The early beat reports are coming out as fantastic. Adrian Peterson is still there. Bryce Love is actually looking pretty decent. They're saying positive things about JD McKissick. Everybody's getting good praise, but right now Antonio Gibson is the one rising above all of them right now as the hybrid running back as a receiver and running back in college. Apparently he looks like the part. And then Damian Harris is a 15th round pick who is currently going to be getting drafted higher than that because he is taking first team reps in practice. I don't want to jump all up and down about this because I do think James White has a pretty solid role in this team. I think James White has that third down responsibilities locked up. I don't think Harris is going to be a three down back out there. The former Alabama product second round pick last year who did not see much run ever last year at all really was healthy scratch for the far majority of the games and his overall prospects were kind of shot down when he played a lot in the preseason. If a player is playing a lot in the preseason, it means the team doesn't value them that much. Otherwise you'd be taken out when the starters come out. So that was a kind of an indicator last year that Damian Harris probably not going to be used all that much. But now with Sony Michelle being banged up, he's taking on the lead back roles for the early down work. It's at least worth mentioning. I don't think he's going to be a fifth round pick forever. I think by the time next week comes, if he's still taking these snaps, he'll probably be up around there two in the ADPs into like the 13th round. So now's the time to get him as you are watching this, if you want to take a flyer on him and all that stuff. But again, it is the Patriots backfield where you will be seeing Rex Burkhead make some appearances where you, they have Lamar Miller. We haven't even talked about Lamar Miller. He hasn't been practicing. He's old. They just signed him. I think Lamar Miller gets cut. So I'm not really talking about him too much, but Lamar Miller is also back there. So it'll be interesting to see who makes a team. James White has a proven role in this team. So I don't want to jump up and down saying that that guy's a must own, but I do want to let you know that there is value in drafting Damian Harris, just not as much in my opinion as the Zach Mosses, the McKinnons, the James White at this point, based on where they're going. So thank you for tuning into the must own late round running backs. A lot more videos are going to be coming out. Do not draft players, must own rookies, must own tight ends. That's all going to be dropping within the next week or so. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you can be notified of when my content launches. I'll be covering DFS, daily fantasy sports, if you are familiar with that, NFL as I did last year and the season before that when I first started this YouTube channel. And since then, all the support has been fantastic, making this now my full-time job. I cannot wait. We're about two weeks away from the season, maybe a little bit less than that by the time this video releases or by the time you're watching it, the season might be like one or two days away, which if that's the case, best of luck in your fantasy drafts. Be sure to check out the Supreme Draft Guide for just $10 linked down below. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. You'll also get some bonuses on Monkey Knife Fight to play over there. Not only just the Supreme Draft Guide for a third of the price, but also some bonuses. Promo code SALNFL. More information in the description. Like button.
button before you go, gang. You all rock. Big old subscribe button pops up. Dominate your drafts. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you in the next one.